Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, I'm Alan Cumming, and welcome to my shelves. My shelves are sort of a museum of my life. I like to keep things from my travels that are, to me anyway, the very essence of the experiences I've had. Sort of portals, if you will, to a specific time and place. And the inspiration for stories and memories and musings. Here's one of my favourite pictures. I found it in the attic of a flat I used to live in in London. And what it is, is a sort of a sepia sketch of a little boy scout, a little sort of camp little boy scout who's got his hand on his hip and one leg kind of at a jaunty, you know, slightly showgirl kind of angle. And um, he's looking over his shoulder and over his shoulder, touching his shoulder, is Jesus for some reason. (laughs) I have no idea either. Here is one of my favourite cushions. I love a cushion. And here's a cushion with my friend Esther the Wonder Pig's face on it. If you don't know who Esther the Wonder Pig is, please find out immediately. And today, my guest is my old chum and mucker, the incredible, hilarious, gorgeous Jane Horrocks. I'm quite positive and kept saying, no, we'll, I'll definitely see you Monday. <laughs> the show must this, go on. This will all be over by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Flash in the pan pandemic. Welcome and bienvenue. Welcome. Jane Horrocks is a total legend in the worlds of theatre, film and television. She's known to millions as Bubble from Absolutely Fabulous and we starred in the original London production of Cabaret at the Donmar Warehouse and most recently we appeared together at the Old Vic in London right before the pandemic. In fact, the pandemic cut the run short of Samuel Beckett's Endgame. But we first worked together and met in 1993 in the movie... Second Best, directed by Chris Menges, which we shot in Wales. The thing I'm looking at from my shelves today is a Polaroid picture that was taken on the set of the movie Second Best. It's got a picture of Jane in her big curly blonde wig and me sitting at a table. And underneath it, Jane Horrocks has written on it, Shut up, you stupid little blind date actor. (laughs) You'll find out why. Had we met before we did Second Best? I don't think we had, you know. I don't think we had either. I think that must be when we met. So that was 1992. 93. Oh, was it? Was it 93? Oh, at the beginning of the year. Oh, yes, I see. It was 93. So that means we're... So that was 93, 2003, 28 years ago. (gasps) (laughs) I've known you for 28 years. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? I just think that's like... It's just things like that are just are hilarious. <laughs> and just like, you know, that thing, I always, I'm always marvelling when I see, you know, like someone who I'm chatting to with you came out of your 
vagina things you know things like that and also when you can say like 28 we've known each other for the length of a, an entire person's life yeah a whole life and it is a whole lifetime ago actually it is so i've got this polaroid i sent you a copy of it it's just hilarious <laughs> and um I now, just... i've forgotten you sent it to me and i've forgotten about you stupid blind date actor well what it was was i had done a comic relief thing recently prior to that a comic relief you know part of the comic relief night it was a pretend a, a blind date uh, thing with mr bean so there was yeah. there was Scylla was there and it was it's a proper thing of blind date but the contestants were mr bean another guy who was kind of like the sort of lethereal hey girls kind of you know smoothie and it was me as like the cute nice one and uh, roddy from edinburgh or something and that was what that's what you're referring to when you called me a stupid little blind date actor in the... and did you win did you win the date i expect mr bean won didn't mr he? bean mr bean won of course yeah, he won you know you, you don't you don't beat mr bean at anything but um <laughs> i uh just remember laughing like a drain with you well i just remember laughing like a drain with you always but that we were in not really in wales but nearly wales radnorshire there's the name of the county oh was it radnorshire i think it was all right okay it was herefordshire was it herefordshire oh Mm. but like very west england almost at the border with wales yes and a hilarious story and you had (laughs) this wig that i mean it is like it's dirty barlow at at her most glamorous i would say but (laughs) I think it's I think it's um Charles II <laughs> <laughs> or a cocker spaniel I love that wig oh I could I remember you loving that wig it I, was went, I went the full wig. hog I went the full hog actually the character was described as that as looking like that in in second best which in was the book the film, wasn't it yeah in the book yeah yeah uh, uh written by David Cook and yes. um and uh, with the Timmy Mallet glasses I went the whole, whole hog <laughs> the whole eighties British showbiz memorabilia. <laughs> William Hurt didn't stand a chance. <laughs> he did not. He did not know it hit him. <laughs> and it's just the idea of seeing William Hurt in a little English village in his wellies. And and um I uh, it was so cute. Like I remember when um he was trying to sort of, you know, because he had to have this relationship with a little boy. And trying to sort of befriend the little boy and, and being and kind of you know chat to him and get to you know, make him feel comfortable and da, da, da. and he I remember he gave him a copy of Hamlet as a present and the, I was like oh Bill just no 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 get him like a you know a a, a video game thing or something mm. don't get him Hamlet and also and somebody else said and it was one of those um, reduced price Hamlets one of the kind of one pound Hamlets <laughs> that you get in the supermarket Shakespeare for a pound. <laughs> Oh gosh! Yes, no. I remember the little boy really liking us because we were silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember us sat round a table with William Hurt, the four of us, and the lad just wanting to be really daft with us, but yes. having to be sensible with William. Yes, because they I were know. doing they were doing serious acting. I know. But we, we may may have should have been doing serious acting, but <laughs> we just weren't. So for those of you who don't know who Deirdre Barlow or Timmy Mallet are, I should just explain. Deirdre Barlow was a fictional character on the English TV soap opera Coronation Street, who had big glasses and um, curly hair, lots of it, and was much loved, uh, indeed, like Jane Horrocks. 
Timmy Mallet was a kids TV presenter in the 80s who had very loud shirts and glasses and bow ties and a giant pink foam mallet known as Mallet's Mallet. I just remember, like, I hardly said anything in that film. I was in these scenes with the little boy and saying things like, you know, you've, you've got to be ready, saying things like that to him. But you mm. chatted on a yes. lot in that film. Yeah, well, I was doing a cocky sort of Manchester one time. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Deirdre. Um, yeah. Did you go there for a long time? Were you in that? I can't remember where we stayed. Do you remember? We, we were there for about the same time. I don't think we, we were there. I don't think you were there any less than me. I don't know. I think I might have gone, gone away and come back. Right, okay. Remember. Well, I think I probably did as well. No, I don't think I stayed. Um, I remember us being in the makeup truck. And did you come racing in saying somebody had been bitten on the bottom by a dog? <laughs> I don't remember. I remember somebody died. Do you remember? Was it, remember the man, the, the man who drove the makeup bus died? Do you not remember that? Uh, no, I don't remember that. So, remember well, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But tell me about the the bum the bum incident. Well, it was. I, I think everything. Everybody was very serious in the makeup truck, um, and because um, Bill yes, was there, probably. Yes, yeah, it was. Yes. It was a very stilted conversation because he didn't like saying good morning to people because that was just sort of trivial. And what does that mean? Good morning. I think it was because he was like doing method. He was being in character or something. I think so, perhaps so. I yeah, don't know. yeah. Um, so um, I don't like he, that. He was very heavy and sort of. If you asked him, you know, something simple, he'd go into a very deep answer, which not none of us understood. No. <laughs> so I remember once he asked me, a, yeah, he asked me a question about something, blah blah blah, and I went, "Oh God knows," and he went, "Yes, he does, Alan." Yes, he does. And I was like, oh, mm. Christ. <laughs> he, he, yes, it, it, anyway, so his makeup artist, as a result, didn't ask him any questions <laughs> because <laughs> she knew she'd get a monologue of something very deep. <laughs> um, and so the, the makeup room had rather a stilted atmosphere. And yes. then you came bounding in with your usual energy and uh, <laughs> told us <laughs> that somebody had been bitten on the bum by a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Hold the front page. I don't remember that at all. I wonder who it was. I don't know. I don't know. But it was just, it was just such a relief. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for cheering us up. <laughs> but then, but then, when the man um, uh, died, the, so the man who drove the makeup bus uh, died, right? Mm. And uh, the, the, we were in the we were in makeup, getting all all, all dolled up, and. Uh, uh, they said to us, you know, just we're going to we're going to uh, stop filming today in honor of this man. And uh, so just when you leave um, the bus, just be aware that he's uh, still outside. And I was like, what? And so we walked outside the makeup bus and there was like a, ma- a dead man on the floor with his feet sticking out. of it. He had a blanket over him, but he had Ooh. his feet sticking out. Really? And that was him? Yeah. Yes, the man who drove the makeup bus, he died. And maybe you weren't there that I day. I don't think I saw I didn't see him. Maybe I you weren't working that day. No, I wouldn't. But I remember, remember that. the the lady who was working, uh, one of the people who was working, was Doris Hare. And she was uh, an old grand actress. Yeah, didn't was, she work in the post office? She worked in the post office, that's right. And she was famous for being um, in on the buses, a sick, sort of a sitcom about uh, Reg Varney was a bus driver and she was his mum. Yeah. And she would always say things like, oh, Olive, things like that. And she, um, actually, I'm looking her up on IMDb right now, and guess what? Second best is her last credit. 
Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, really? she must have Yes. But anyway, what was and she was quite old and quite doddery, as this story I'm about to tell you will uh, attest. So she, uh, we went, that night, we sort of we all went home, you know, the man died and filming was stopped. And we, we sort of, Dixie, who's our friend who was one of the producers, said, let's all go for a dinner. So we went for this dinner and Doris came out and it was so fascinating because she was, you know, for me, it was like she was, I remember when I was a little boy being in on the buses, so I was very excited. And uh, we were talking about how crazy it was that this man had died. And she goes, well, well you know, I, I was in makeup and someone came in and said, someone's died. And I thought, is it me? <laughs> and, she, and I imagine, imagine being in the state where you would think you might possibly have died and not noticed. How <laughs> funny. I remember that night as well that Dixie we were trying to make small talk with Doris and we were having you know, drinks and everything. And uh, 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 Dixie, had, she'd be, she'd, we'd got her in this film because she'd been in a Brian Ricks farce mm. in London, you know, and, and she was like, she, she'd done that recently. She was talking about it. And um, Dixie's trying to be polite and chat to her. And she goes, and have, you, have you done a lot of theatre, Doris? And Doris did literally, you know, clasped her pearls and sort of looked at Dixie aghast and she went, I'm a West End actress. Like that. <laughs> which, which I think is a line oh. we should bring back into I'm a into West common End part. actress. I'm well, a West we are, End We are West End actors, aren't we? We are West or End rather, actresses. rather, we were before <laughs> we the were. pandemic. Before we were cruelly. So that was crazy, wasn't it? Like, did you... Did you know on the last, because it was a funny thing doing Endgame, because, you, you know, you were in your dustbin and, and we, and uh, with Carl, and we never, you came from under the stage, so we never actually kind of crossed paths. We crossed paths in the wig room. That was yes, about it. But right. on, even though we were on stage in a scene together, we never kind of engaged because you, you came at it from a different Yes, and I didn't really, it didn't really look round at you. That's because I was just no. focused on Carl and, yes, my character was... You never, and never ne- turned ne- your back ne- on, the, on the audience. Yes, uh, but yes, never uh, cheat on the audience, darling. <laughs> no, darling. Never give them it all, hundred percent. But um, the la- so the play was sort of you know taken off a few weeks before the end of our run. But like, and it was the end of a week. It was a Saturday night. And did because I remember when Dan and I came off, he said to me, "Well, if that's the last night, uh, that was a really good show to end with, right?" And yeah. I, and and so I realise now, looking back at it, we we kind of knew because I think they'd stopped the flights to they'd set that the American flights were going to end on the Monday night or something, and we were uh, wondering if we we're going to you know. But so did you know that it was going to end, or did, did you have an no, inkling? I didn't. Did, so no, you just I got mean, a call on the kind, Sunday. Kind of, sort of an inkling because people kept saying to me, "Oh well, we might not see you on Monday. This might be it." And right. I'm quite positive and kept saying, "No, we'll I'll definitely <laughs> see you Monday." <laughs> the show must this, go on. This is this will all be over by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Flash in the pan pandemic. <laughs> hey, how you doing? My name is Elroy Spoonface Powell, Spoon the Voice Guy, and I just want to tell you about a new podcast called Death of a Film Star. It's from the makers of Death of a Rockstar, and it's really good. We've got episodes about Heath Ledger, Chadwick Boseman, Marilyn Monroe, and Robin Williams. You've seen them tell incredible stories, so now it's time for us to tell theirs. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. Honestly, do it now. It'll be worth it.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's a funny thing. It's a funny thing to have something stop and you don't get to see Cheerio. And I, oh, the one thing I did do before I left was I went back to the old Vic. I got them to let me in to get my booze out of my dressing room. <laughs> oh, yes, you had so much. I, I was at all that vodka sponsored by that company. I'm not leaving this year. So I no. went off with my Arbiki vodka. That was probably why it was so heavy in all the 26 bags clinking with bottles <laughs> yes, of vodka. Yes, exactly. Oh, yes, I know. I mean, it was so, it was so weird because I think that we were contemplating going nightclubbing that night. Yes, and then with a big night planned. You said to me, mm, maybe not this time if this um, well, virus was is getting uh, out of hand. Naaman, who is my dresser, said that the, the place we were going to go, he said, you know, it's really sweaty, it's really small, it's going to be full of, he said, it's going to be full of flight attendants making <laughs> making out with each other who've flown everywhere and I've got, you know, and I thought, oh my God, it's just like a petri dish. So we didn't, we didn't go, but we did go to the box a couple of weeks before. Yes, remember, we did. Do you remember that? I'm not sure yeah. how much. Remember, because I remember we. Um... Oh yes, I'm not sure how much you remember, Jane. <laughs> We'd yes. all been drinking, but it was. Yes. I remember there was, you know, it was, like, it was the box, and it's there's one in London, it's one in New York, and it's a racy club, and there's and you um, hadn't been before, and I was saying, oh, and we're talking about the show, we're waiting for the show all night, waiting for the the show to come on because we knew there was going to be really saucy, racy mm. uh, acts, sordid extremely sorted and so something mm. happened uh, on this uh, we were watching I was sitting next to you in the booth and Danny's and a couple of other people and there was something that happened where a gentleman <laughs> um, sat on an item that was huge and mm. there was there was there was penetration of a, with a mm. blunt object uh, that was like awe-inspiring gobsmacking uh, we and we both gasped and and both and both sort of like le- you know step leapt backwards in the banquet we were so shocked by this thing <laughs> <laughs> the next day you didn't remember it at all i didn't i didn't i, I, I still hilarious. can't remember it alan you probably I still blanked can't it. remember it and people said it was massive it was as big as the shard apparently <laughs> <laughs> it was like <laughs> it was like a shard but it was, it was just, it's so funny that I, you know, I, I do that. Grant always ribs me about the fact we'll be out, we'll be out having fun. But and someone, he'll say the next day, do you remember talking to blah, blah? I was like, no, did I see blah, blah? Because you had a like 20 minute conversation with them. And, you know, it's it's know, like, terrible I'll, though, isn't it? It's the worst. I always say, oh, but I'm just so in the moment that I don't, I'm really in the moment and present. And then I don't, I let it go. Is that, <laughs> yeah, it's obviously, obviously. AKA drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I know that it, that was such fun, though. It was. It was, it was such fun, a good night. And, and we did. We had, we went to other clubs as well. G A Y E in London. <laughs> I think it's just G A Y, isn't it? Oh, yeah, G A Y. Let's put an E on for, for good measure. <laughs> Gay. Maybe we went to G A Y and did an E. Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> I love a dance. And that's what I love about you, Jane Horrocks. You love to dance. And I, it's so funny that when we first worked together, because we did Second Best at the beginning of 1993, and then later that year, of course, we did uh, Cabaret together at the Dormer Yes, Warehouse. it was later that year, you're right. Yeah, same year, yeah. 
and I think I think I knew I think you I knew that you you were going to do it. You told me you were going to do it, and then shortly after that film, um, Sam asked me to do it too. Um, but I. I, did, I wasn't really a dancer. No. I mean, I was, I was sort of married and then I sort of, you know, it just wasn't. But it's actually funny. I think as my life, as I've gone on older in my life, I've got more, I, I dance more and I do more of the things that you're kind of supposed to do in your youth. Are you like that? Yes, and I love dancing because I'm part of a group called Five Rhythms. Do you know of them? They're in New York as well. Well, they're everywhere. Yes, it's a sort of a, uh, you, it's like a, you get together on a Sunday and you just dance. Well, and, well I get together on a Friday. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, you know, there's one here. I'm thinking of one called Dance Church, and it's it's it's. A, I think it's a similar thing where yeah, sweat your some, prayers. Yes, that's right. And someone leads it, and you just dance, and you just and, dance your own dance to these five rhythms. Right, and, right. Um, um, you know, they play music that represents the five rhythms, and it's so good, and it's given me so much more confidence now about dancing. So I'll just dance anywhere. I love it. Absolutely me love too. it. Me too. Yeah, it makes me feel so good. I think it's such a brilliant thing for anybody to do but as you get older I don't think you should stop dancing I think you should do more totally I love the thing of just dancing you know if you're somewhere like I don't know like in an airport or in a hotel lobby and there's and a great tune comes on I just dance yeah and I think it's I, I actually think what one of the things you're you told me about that uh, dance rhythm is that it's it's very you know there's so many different types of people and ages and body types and everything and it, so it makes everyone feel that they're not being judged in that way that we normally associate with, you know, that's some thing of those places as well. where you can go to. But I yeah. think because, you know, sort of we, we used to go to clubs, you know, sort of when we were teenagers and then maybe in, in our 20s a little bit. And then it, we're kind of conditioned to stop then. And, yeah. um, and like, well, grow up. You can't dance yeah. now. So just grow up. And yeah. you think, no, that's, that's ridiculous that people feel that they can't dance because it's immature to dance. I know. It's so silly. And I love when you see my favorite thing is what is, well, that's one of the things I sort of think I do in my life is I encourage people to let go and I, in, in various ways, but I love like, you know, when I'm, if I'm DJing or having a party or something and I, I see people thinking, oh, I'd love to dance, but I'm a little nervous. Or is people going, are people mm. going to judge me? Are they going to sort of think I'm weird? Or, and then you just see them half an hour later sweating and just having the, it's yeah. the best thing to sort of feel you've released something in someone and. It's such a great feeling. And I think that the five rhythms is all about shaking, you know. So if you've got something going on that maybe isn't that great, then you just shake it all out. And um, actually just moving some energy, some sort of stagnant energy is really, you know, physically is is a really great thing because then you just shift something. and, um, And then you can see things a bit clearer, I think. Absolutely. And then, you know, it was funny, I was watching a thing last night about the rave scene in the 80s and about how that sort of changed because also because of ecstasy being a drug where it made everyone come together and be kind and happy and, you know, more loving and everything. And it actually really changed a sort of whole, it changed society in a way because it would come out of Thatcher where it it was all one man, every man for himself. And suddenly people were gathering together in these huge groups, taking drugs that were didn't make them angry or, or it made them actually very loving and kind and and uh and respectful of each other and i think that's a really an interesting thing that that sort of that that had a much bigger reverberation into the rest of society 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because because it wasn't about alcohol, which invariably makes people aggressive. Yeah. Uh, well, not always, but it can make some people aggressive. Can do. So, yeah. And by the end of the night, certainly, you know, there were there, were, there used to be fights which were alcohol induced. Yeah. And um, with ecstasy, like you say, everybody wants to love each other and yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, fall love. in love. Fall in love. Mm. What's not to like? Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the rather galling yet hilarious uh, situation between the two uh, times we worked. In 1993, you played Sally Bowles, you were my sexy co-star in Cabaret. And then uh, all those years later in Endgame uh, at the Old Vic, you were my mum in a in a dustbin. <laughs> yes. How do you feel How about tragic. that, Jane Horrock? Yes. <laughs> tragic. <laughs> So in 1993, when we did Cabaret, I, I, it's so interesting. When I when I did it in uh, in New York a few years later, I got so much sort of like, oh, you know, everyone was talking about, did I try and do it differently from Joel Grey? Was I, you know, did it, was it? Loads of stuff about Joel Grey, Joel Grey, Joel Grey, Joel Grey. And, you know, I, it was funny because when we did it in London, I didn't I didn't think about that at all. I didn't, I didn't because I guess, you know, Joel was known for doing it on the theatre as well in, in New York and everything. But... I wondered if you what how it is for you how it was for you uh, playing Sally Bowles, which is such an iconic role. And, and did you feel sort of uh, the weight of people's expectations or pressure in some way? What because of Liza Minnelli? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it is an iconic film, isn't it, Cabaret? So yes. I suppose. Um, I mean, I think the thing that I felt because um, in the book I'm a camera. You know, it describes Sally Bowles as being Sally Bowles as being such a rotten singer and a rotten performer. Yes. Um, that um, I thought, well, actually, if you're going to put any bring any truth to this on stage, then you know, present what is in the book. Yeah, because I mean, she, if she was such a big star, she wouldn't be, wouldn't be in that little skeezy club. Exactly. Of course she wouldn't. Of course she wouldn't. Um, and um, and so yeah, it, it was nice. And and I well, we both probably got to work with um, John Cander on the music because yeah. um, you know that we were so fortunate that he came over and worked with us for a few days. Yeah. And um, I remember uh, practicing cabaret with him, and he said, "You can either sing this as a celebratory song or a purge." He said, "And I suggest you sing it as a purge." And uh, and he played the piano and he hammered the keys. It was like it was like Sid Vicious playing the piano. Wow! It was like sort of so angry how he just yeah he just belted the keys. And I thought that's it. I mean, it sent shivers down me. I thought I've got to do it like this. I've got to do it like this. It's got it's got to be the the Sid Vicious or the Johnny Rotten version of the song as a purge. And oh, um, wow. It was amazing. I remembered that. Like I remember your your hair was sort of wet and plastered down and you were mm. you're you're pale and you it was like you're screaming and your face was kind of contorted on that last note and and your arms were really sort of you know taut and tight and and like you were uh, uh, flexing them tight to your body. It was a really incredible moment in the theater. 
Yeah, yeah, but thank you. I think, well, you know, your performance was an incredible performance. No, you, in, in no, you, darling. No, you, you, no, you, 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 no, you. I mean, I think it was one of those, you know, kind of magic moments in the theatre where everything comes together and yes. everything gels, doesn't it? And yes. of course, we we're working in the Delmar and they transferred it into a, you know, a little um, um, nightclub. Little you club, know, yeah, yeah tables and chairs. Little club where tables and chairs. Um, and, do you know uh, that? Do you know that boy? You know that uh, punch drunk theatre. Uh, is that a, the the ones that do the uh, immersive things? Like yes, the, yeah, I love punch. Sleep no yeah. more and other those other. And they, it's it's all like you go into like an experience into. Yes, yes. So in New York, there's one. It's obviously off right now called Sleep No More. That's about sort of based on Macbeth and also a Hitchcock film, kind of fused. And oh, I right. was obsessed with. Yeah, it's so good. And it's in and it's in this big, huge sort of warehouse that used to be a massive uh, dance club called Twilo, actually. And so there's various floors and different rooms and you're in a street at one point you walk down. So great. Um, and I was obsessed with it. And I actually got to know some of the people in it. And then they said, would you like to be in it? Would you like Ooh, to do... Oh, really? There's a bit, you know, you can do these one-on-one things. You play a character and you... Because their characters wander around. Yes, of course, people. yeah. And there's ones where you actually do a one-on-one where you take someone, a member of the audience who are all wearing masks. They're all wearing masks. And you take one into a room and you do a little thing with them. And I had to... Yeah, so I did this thing where I played a doctor and I took a person into the room, locked take the door. Take down your panties. <laughs> it was, honestly, it was, it was a little pervy. And I put them into a bed and I tucked them in like a mummy like, so did they you? couldn't move. Yeah, tucked them in. And music, you put music on, it's playing. And... Um, and then I kind of, and it's this interesting thing, which is sort of a, a lot about what the spirit of Cabaret was, which is this sort of c- combination of uh, sensuality and fear or at the same time, like, and, like that. Um, and like, I had to go into the person. They're, they're like a mummy in, in this bed. They can't move, right? And, and I'm sitting on the side of the bed and I start to go in towards them. Like, and when the first time when I saw it, a boy did this to me and I thought he was going to kiss me. I thought, oh my God, I'm going to make out with this hot boy. Fantastic. Ooh. Um, and I so, but that's what they do. And at the last moment, they pull away, and something else happens. So it's this kind of, you know, you have to sort of think, okay, I'm going. So I did that to people, to strangers. I would like go into them. I could see them thinking, holy shit, I'm going to make out with Alan Cumming. And then at the last moment, I leant over them and flicked a switch, and a light came on along the wall, and yeah. written on it, written on it on the wall uh, was the Raven himself is horse. You know the line from Macbeth. Oh yes, and, yes. And then I started to like sort of you know vomit to make vomiting sort of movements and inside my mouth I had a little nail a little kind of nail that you would bang into the wall and and I and I sort of coughed up this nail into my hand and then and then hugged them and then let put them outside again it was mental so I did that it was so great I loved it Jane and of course uh you just kept doing it to different people all night anyway I did it two times and the second time I met the boy Felix his name is who's the the person who invented the punch drunk theatre and he said to me he said gosh you doing this tonight Alan it's kind of like everything coming full circle I was like what do you mean and he said that when he was a little boy when he was in his teens he was brought to see Cabaret at the Donmar Warehouse and sat at a little cabaret table with a little light on it and you know uh, and, and he said that was kind of the start of him thinking about immersive theater oh about this really whole thing. How so amazing. in a way yeah so in a way actually it was sort of groundbreaking in those ways because it was uh, immersive it was you are yes. supposed to believe you're in the club you were kind of torn sense of purposes in this club and also the other thing i think is interesting about it was that it um did the thing which hadn't been done before where the, there wasn't a band the actors played instruments yes. and they were the orchestra and that was a whole new thing and now that happens all the time yeah, of course, that's right. And there were the dancers as well. Yes, the dancers played too. Yeah, they had to yeah. do all these. Yeah, they did everything. 
it's amazing, isn't it? It's kind of, it's so funny to think that you were a part of something that sort of changed things when at the yes. time it just felt like a natural thing to do. I know, I know. It, is a, it was an iconic show. I'm, I'm very yeah. much ahead of its time. Um, yeah. Directed by Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes. <laughs> yes, indeedy. Lovely Sam. Uh, Jane Horrocks, it's been so nice to talk to you and to go on this little walk down memory lane and I will forever be your, your stupid little blind date actor. <laughs> I wish you'd and, uh, won. If you'd won, your career might have gone in a different direction. <laughs> if I'd beaten, if I'd beaten Mr. Bean, do you know yeah. when we did that? When we did Blind Date, I so Scylla was there, and like so, Blind Date is this was this real show, and there, so it was like the music, and you came out, and you know, there was and then she kind of did a little, she did a little kick at the end. That's right. Here's number one. What's your name? Where'd you come from? Exactly that. <laughs> so that was what, that, and, and the thing was, we'd been, we were shooting it and Scylla was taking a while and she'd had a few glasses of champagne, everyone, they, they, we were told. <laughs> and I could sort of smell champagne, that sort of funny strawberry, sort of bubbly, sparkly smell of mm. champagne. I could smell it on her breath. She was a little pissed. And... Um, <laughs> And so that, and I was so kind of nervous, and we were kept waiting. You know, and, and Rowan was very nervous. He was really kind of, you know, agitated about it all. And uh, I, so it came, to, and I was number one. And so uh, she said, "So number one, hello." And I went, "Hello, hello, Silla. I'm blah blah." And she, and she went, and she went, "Stop, stop, stop." Normally, I say, uh, "What's your name and where do you come from?" I mean, if you want to change it, that's fine. If you want to change, it, but this is the way we normally do it. If you're trying to pretend this is the real show, then we've got. And so I, I incurred the wrath of Silla. Oh, you were a bit, she was a bit miffed. Did, did her eyes go very narrow? <laughs> <laughs> it was so bloodshot, I couldn't see. No, I'm uh, no, but she she got a bit minty with me. And uh, I was like, no, Silla, no, absolutely. Whatever way you do it, let's try and do it. And, but yeah, no, I um, <laughs> I'll never forget that. I just, I, I incurred the wrath of Scylla. Oh, gosh. I've that, incurred that, the wrath if, of Scylla. If, if you write another memoir, that's what it should be called. <laughs> the wrath of Scylla. I oh incurred the really wrath of idea. Scylla. Anyway, uh, I love you, Jane Horrocks. It's so good to talk to you. And I hope maybe we'll get to do Endgame again, finish off our run somewhere. I'd, lo- and- I'd love to do that. I mean, it yeah. was so, uh, just just uh, briefly, wasn't it poignant, though, the, 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 the content? My God, post-plague sort of life. Yes, exactly. absolutely. Exactly. I think it would be great to do it again. That's Richard, I talked to Richard recently. He was saying about doing it in New York and about how great would it be once everything gets back up and going, doing a play about, you know... The, about a an epidemic a pandemic yeah, yeah. Mm. I think it could be really good so we'll see but I love you and thank you so much for uh, being on Alan Cummings Shelves today Jane Horrocks oh well thank you for having me so now it's time to put Jane's Polaroid back on my shelves I hope you had a good time listening to us and I hope you'll join me next time for another trip down memory lane take care Alan Cumming Shelves is hosted by me, Alan Cumming, duh, and produced by the lovely Jack Claremont. We are part of the ACAS Creator Network and the Crowd Network too. We just love networks. Another Crowd Network podcast to check out is... 
the Joe Marler Show. Joe is an England rugby player, but here's the catch. His guests are normal people doing normal jobs. He's meeting teachers, chefs, stunt women, tattoo artists, marine biologists, astronauts and soldiers. And he's asking all the questions you or I would ask. It's as simple as that. But it's also charming because everyone is interesting if you ask the right questions. Just search for The Joe Marler Show in your podcast app.